0: This episode of the Vulture TV podcast is brought to you by Quantico on ABC. They are the FBI's top recruits, sworn to protect our country. But one of them is a terrorist. The series premiere of Quantico, Sunday, September 27th at 10, 9 central on ABC. The following podcast contains spoilers. Check the episode description to see the exact times of the segments that contain spoilers. The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to the Vulture TV Podcast. I'm your host, Gazella Amami, and this week is Fall TV Premiere Week. So we'll spend this week's show discussing the TV shows to have your eye on, along with Sunday night's History Making Emmy Awards.
2: The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else
1: is opportunity. That's all coming up, but first, if you have any questions for us or ideas for topics you'd like to hear, please email us at tvquestions@vulture.com. Today, we're here with TV columnist Margaret Lyons, West Coast editor Joe Adalian, and Vulture editor Alex Jung. Welcome, all. Hey, guys. Hello. (laughs) Why don't we start off today talking about the Emmys, since they're the freshest in our minds. We were all up late covering them. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to start more generally and talk, you know, what, what feel did you get from the awards? Did you you like it overall? How did you think Andy Samberg did? I thought Andy Samberg did a really
2: good job, especially going back through the reviews I've written of previous Emmy ceremonies. I was really struck by how little filler there was. Mm-hmm. Right, So there were a couple of bits. There was like that Lauren Michaels mug thing. There was the metal detector bit, which I, and I didn't really care for either of those. But then when you think about like those big musical numbers that sometimes happen during the Emmys or other, or certainly during the Oscars, or like very protracted in memoriam segments or these like recurring bits that go nowhere, there really wasn't any of that. Right. It, which I think contributed to the feeling that like, oh, the show really moved. You know, there's always going to be that chunk in the middle of all like the, this year, Olive of Kittredge Awards that can kind of feel a little bit anticlimactic. But I thought the show was actually like, really functional and well paced I just wish that there were better intro segments for for presenters
1: because those are just hot garbage I mean those have always been an issue huh like, why do they have to be so lame?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to write for yeah. banter. But, um, but, you know, I actually agree with Margaret. And to me, it was the, one of the best Emmy Awards I can remember in terms of just pacing, in terms of the right amount of comedy. And there was one production number actually right at the start, of course, and which is exactly where it should be when we're all ready to get started. I thought it was just it was brilliantly done. It was it was sort of a blending of sort of like the old fashioned uh, award show musical numbers with the age of viral video. It was designed to be shared, as it were. You know, it it has moments that you can pause and rewatch again and again, and also there are a few little brief interstitials too, uh, like when Sandberg did the um, the riff on Mad Men, which I thought was thought was hilarious as well. Uh, I mean, not hilarious. That's a little bit over. I thought that was but, charming.
2: I, I thought mean, that was like very like sweet and also, you know, short. Yeah, yeah like right, it made its it joke and it got clip. in and it, it got out.
3: It was sort of, you know, I was actually a skeptic about Andy as host, uh, not because of the usual Andy Sandberg skepticism, which a lot of people share, because if he's not modulated the right way, he can be really hard to take. He was not only modulated the right way, as he has been, for example, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but it was the, really, to me, a good blend of sort of old and new, of, of mm-hmm. a traditional host role of just sort of being the Hollywood schmoozer insider guy, but also with a little bit of subversity, like, you know, what he did to that statue. Um, <laughs>
0: it, 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 it just worked. For me, what was good was he stayed out of the way when he needed to. And that's why Mm -hmm. it felt like a lean, functional program was that the moments that I really remember are the ones when people won and they gave incredible speeches like that to me is the highlight. And part of what makes a good show is letting that happen and letting giving that the space that it needs.
3: It wasn't about him, and right. it really the host should not be. I mean, honestly, that's what, sadly, what happened with the Oscars this year. That Neil Patrick Harris sometimes made a little bit too much about him, yeah, and right. I love him, but it just too much. The one flaw I'll say is that, despite that very good sort of opening number, which sort of encapsulated this whole feeling of there's too much TV, we can't watch it all, which is true. Um, and it's going to be increasingly a, pr- a problem for shows like the Emmys to sort of to give everything in, that's going on in TV their due because there's just so much of it. At The same time, I do think if I'm one of the broadcast networks, in addition to the fact that you know they won no awards, three to be exact, among four of them on camera, there wasn't enough of a sense of I would have I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more. Beyond the finale tribute of, of what happened this season in TV. There weren't enough riffs on Scandal or How to Get It With Murder, which are big shows. There was nothing on The Walking Dead, which is the biggest show among adults under 50 on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, Game of Thrones thankfully sort of gave some relevancy to it because it's a big show. But even still, Game of Thrones is, is only a fraction of the audience that watches, you know, Walking Dead on AMC or, you know, The big bang theory or or god forbid ncis you know you did have J pop up briefly but i'm not saying that the emmys need to lean into the old broadcast roots because tv is so much more than broadcast now but i do think in general there was that if there was one flaw that i would have liked to have seen more of a this happened this year in tv to the show
1: it wasn't reflecting the trends and conversation of the past year as well as it could have yeah
3: Yeah. i I mean it it could have again if there's a sacrifice for a three-hour show, that's probably a sacrifice that needs to be made. You know, I don't want to be there all night. And, and you know, let's face it, TV stars have plenty of ways to pay tribute to themselves, so it's not a tragedy. But if, if if I'm trying to look for something critical, that would be my one note, as it were. Overall, it didn't change the fact that, for me, it was just a great broadcast.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the winners. Were there any that you were delightfully surprised
2: by? The big one for me was definitely Regina King. Mm-hmm. I love her. I also I feel like she got snubbed for Southland for like five years and she was so so incredible Mm -hmm. on that show and i feel like any kind of recognition that coming her way is good news for everyone i also felt incredible not to make it about me but like i interviewed her like maybe 10 years ago for something and she was like picking up her son in the car like usually like from school she's like hi handsome and he's like this little boy and then seeing him on tv tonight i was just like <laughs> last night I was just like oh my god he's I'm all the grown tree up he's a mustache like how <laughs> is this yeah um so i was i was really excited about that especially cuz that was a pretty competitive
1: category and, and i didn't expect her to win and
0: she did not expect it no <laughs> I don't think anyone did. I mean, the
1: best <laughs> moments at award shows are when people are truly moved and feel, you know, it's, I mean, why else are we watching these, you know, (laughs) like you, you kind of wait for those real moments.
3: And it was such a great win for ABC and their strategy. You know, American Crime did not get great ratings, but it's getting a second Mm -hmm. season. And, you know, God bless Paul Lee for all the dumb mistakes he makes. You know, he's trying to support TV that's a little bit different at the broadcast level. And hopefully this award will sort of be like the Emmy Award for Cheers was 20, 30 years ago. Cheers was a low rated show. It got, the Emmy Love and that actually convinced some people to check it out. It's a much different universe now, but maybe this will get people to say, oh maybe I really should should catch up on this show that I've heard about. Or not. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Margaret, did you watch the whole thing?
1: I did not care for it.
3: I <laughs> <laughs> so love the Regina.
1: <laughs> Regina is great, but uh, yeah. show not. So the show's
2: best, uh, best. Well I mean There's these
0: awards are really about like symbolic wins to me mm-hmm. often. Like it's a little bit less about was this actually the best performance or was this actually the best show? But like what sort of historical moment are we meeting or what sort of symbolic value does it have that it wins? And so it makes sense that something like Game of Thrones wins now after it's sort of been snubbed for so many seasons and also Viola Davis winning to me was less about how to get away with murder and whether she was really the best actress and more about the fact that She met the historical moment, and I couldn't think of anyone more perfect in that sense.
1: Let's talk about that a little. For those who aren't aware, Rayola Davis is the first African-American woman to win for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama. And we have a clip here from her speech Sunday night.
2: In my mind, I see a line. And over that line, I see green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white women with their arms stretched out to me over that line. But I can't seem to get there, no how. I can't seem to get over that line. That was Harriet Tubman in the 1800s. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity.
0: You cannot win an Emmy
1: for roles that are simply not there. She was not a favorite for this category. Hmm, I don't would you know. say? Would you say I, she was? I mean, I guess she sure, yeah, wasn't really I a really, front runner. I agree that like it's an important symbolic win, but I actually would counter that it is absolutely a no, punch no, 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 for punch. No. Like she, she's deserved it for sure, but was she, you know, like a front runner for the award?
2: Um, I think she was in the
0: running. I
1: maybe? think she, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I it's, think she was. It seems I also like it was
0: between her and Taraji.
2: That felt like the sort of real race to me, even though, I, I mean, I was a little bit sad for Elizabeth
1: Moss. So I feel like she had a really good season. Right. Um, yeah. I would argue Viola Davis was the best actress. for. I mean, her performance is so unlike anything I've seen on television. Yeah. And just like the range of emotions she shows on that show. It's just like Elizabeth Moss was... She had a good season, but I wouldn't say it was her best Mad Men season. Yeah. So based purely on looking at the episodes that they submitted, I mean, Viola, Viola Davis, you know, taking off the wig and, you know, that yes. emotional moment is just kind of unbeatable to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think,
2: you know, I think what's tough is that she's much better than that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I enjoy How to Get Away with Murder, mm-hmm. but I think that's like a really okay show at the end of the day. Damages did that a lot better a couple of years ago, or actually at this point several years ago. That said, like, that is one of the performances of the year across the board. In comedy and drama, like, like there's no way to argue that, like, Mel, no, maybe somebody else is like, no, I, I mean... I think other people had good roles this year and certainly good performances, but I think Viola Davis was like a real a knockout.
3: Like you said, murder. I think she elevated that show more than any other. If, if the award for best elevation of a show, <laughs> uh, it, it would definitely go to her. I mean, I mean, Taraji was close. Taraji's, which is obviously the yeah, best thing about Empire, but Empire does have a lot more just crazy fun factor going forward and just, and, and the music and everything else. And she's, she's absolutely the best part of Empire. And she's the reason the show's a mega hit, I think, to a degree. But I think, like you said, Viola sort of like took that material and just, wow.
1: Mad Men, you know, it was nominated for six awards and it went home with just one for John Hamm. Did you feel this was you know, an injustice or Yeah. (laughs) I'm
2: bummed out. I mean like I'm like genuinely, like personally sad. Also because I did not think in any capacity this was the best season of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. I also think like the material and Matt and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast with Gazelle too, like, you know, the material really, really got away from that show this season. I think they didn't have that
1: kind of mastery of tone, of pace, of Mm -hmm. content. Even the super fans, you know, a lot of them similarly and yeah. so they would stop watching.
2: So, does Game of Thrones have very like extreme highs? I suppose, but I think like when we talk about like what does TV now do and what is it capable of and how do we approach it and what do we think of as like the high watermark for modern drama? Like, I feel really bad for the people who think that the answer to that question is Game of Thrones.
3: <laughs> I will never understand Emmy voters' minds and what goes on and whether or not all the millions of studios now spend on Emmy campaigns make a dang bit of difference. But here's the thing. Mad Men won Best Drama, what, four years in a row? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's first four seasons. So the, the Academy gave it the altar. They, they have recognized this show, and much earlier, by the way, than historically is the case with Emmy voters. Usually they are years behind. With Mad Men, they got on that train the first stop, and they wrote it hard for four years
1: and then did they just it, get tired of it you think and they get tired I mean
3: that's the problem with TV versus movies it's just the same thing over and over I mean in this case I think you know with, with they finally said well Jesus we, Game of Thrones is a, a game changing show in its own right it's, it's elevating it to, to fantasy to a different level on TV so, we were behind let 's finally get on this train now because we were so in love with Mad Men and then Breaking Bad, which was also an amazing show. They finally just spread the love you know it's, and it 's probably also good for a m c to sort of take a break and cleanse and um you know, but I agree on the <laughs> oh yeah, good marriage. for that. It, <laughs> It shows why I continue to think the Emmys to some degree are a joke, and we all should pay less attention to it, even as we talk about this for the next half hour, (laughs) um, is because they're not really who had the best year. We could say the same thing, by the way. We'll get to it later, I'm sure, with the variety category. I think the show that won was an amazing show. It was not the best show that was on last year.
2: Are you talking variety talk or variety sketch?
3: We're talking variety talk, and I'm talking the, the fact show. that John Stewart got mm-hmm. that award simply for a thank you. You've been awesome, and we want to make sure you go out happy, versus the fact that, you know, John Oliver's show, which, again, is only once a week, a different kind of show, but John Oliver's show was a singular accomplishment in this season, and it was one of the best shows on TV, period. Am I outraged to win? No, because it's going to be around and it will win. But like Alex said, it's about symbolism, and right now the symbolism was, we miss you, John. Please come back.
1: I mean, he's won so many times, though. <laughs> like, it wasn't like they had like not recognized <laughs> his contributions.
3: Right, but I think it does
0: represent maybe how they feel about him. Like this yeah. art. Like there's already this nostalgic feeling around John Stewart.
2: In terms of like the the symbolism, I guess then Veep feels like a strange comedy win to me, yeah. even though I think that show is excellent. Yeah. I just, I felt like, like, I was, it's so weird to be like, how dare Veep this, like, superb, amazing specimen? But I was still like, oh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, even or though. Even
0: f- transparent.
2: Yeah.
1: No, even for sure. Even though that doesn't feel like a comedy. It doesn't really No, it, it's
0: definitely not
1: a comedy. <laughs> 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 um, although, it's like, what, it feels so weird arguing about these things because it's like, we're right. we're arguing within this strange context where nothing makes sense. What about Olive Kitteridge? You guys are obsessed yeah, with it? Yeah, right. I was going to also...
0: <laughs> No, I feel shamed because I didn't I watch it.
1: Margaret, <laughs> you <guys laughs> you've watched, all of it, you've watched it. it. Tell us you think. I did watch think. it. So I think it's excellent,
2: but I myself did not care for it at all.
1: Hmm. Um,
2: <laughs> not a Margaret show. <laughs> really, really not. It's beautiful. Was there not enough kissing? There's very little kissing. <laughs> Although you don't want anyone to kiss because everyone's very sad. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's beautiful. It's meditative. It's extremely thoughtful. I think that's sort of like Lisa Cholodenko style of... She's... She's the director. She's a, she has this very, like, cozy, lived-in style of, like, very much feeling like you're sitting at the dinner table with whoever you're having dinner with in the scene. It's very immediate. And I think, like, that kind of you-are-there feeling was really evocative. And there's sort of, there are episodes that get into, like, these very strange sort of dream sequences that were really beautiful and lyrical. The performances are superb. Like, it's incredibly well done. There's nothing I can say about it that's bad other than just it's not my taste. Mm -hmm. You know, Frances McDormand plays our lead, I guess, Olive, who's very mean, like super mean. Um, She's depressed sometimes. She's cruel to her child. She's not that nice to her husband who adores her anyway and you feel i felt like very you know part of the character is that she's extremely off-putting and it's the story of this person who's very off-putting and it's done so well that i was you know put off um (laughs) effective so uh, as much as i can like recognize its merit which i you know 10 out of 10 like it's extraordinary i can't imagine circumstances under which i would want to re-watch it
3: And what's also interesting, too, is the disconnect. Sunday's Emmys were the least watched ever. You know, it was a combination of the fact that it was up against football, a new episode of, I Mm -hmm. believe, Fear of the Walking Dead on AMC. Uh, But also, let's face it, not only is Andy Samberg not a huge TV star, but the shows that were nominated, the ones that won, were not exactly shows that people watched. All of Kitteridge had really, really low ratings, even by HBO standards. Yeah, dozens Um, of people
1: have watched that.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And Game of Thrones, obviously, is a big hit. But Veep, on the other hand, very low rated. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, except that, um, once again, the Emmys do not necessarily reflect what everyone's watching. By the way, I continue to think there needs to be a Best New Series category, but I think that would be an amazing way to open up the awards.
2: I think you could also do Best New Series and sort of cross-genre that, right? And so not Mm -hmm. have to belabor. Mm -hmm. I think for maybe in its first season, a show like Orange is the New Black, which doesn't comfortably fit, or Transparent, which doesn't comfortably fit either as a comedy or a drama. There's credible ways you could categorize it as either, and the Emmys... You know, like at the end of the day, you have to decide some kind of standard, and they picked half hour versus hour, and okay. Like, that's as viable as anything else, I think. But I think shows like that would have—it would be interesting to see if they competed in a sort of de-genre category, like, how yeah. they how they would do.
1: I'd watch that.
2: I also think Best New Show would—I ha- mean, Transparent's way up there, but— Jane the Virgin.
1: Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> Right, like I,
2: you know, (laughs) Watching Gina Rodriguez on stage last night, I was like, oh, someday you're going to be up here for another, (laughs) like, like, collecting an award.
0: She looked like a Disney princess. (laughs) I loved it.
2: I just wish they had given her, like, either write the banter better or just play it straight. Oh, God, yeah. Just, like, simple, straightforward, like, this is what this category is and here are the nominees. Like, okay, (laughs) like, just, like, there's no need to do bad jokes. Right. Either good jokes or nothing. Those are my (laughs) choices.
3: That said, I would say for the most part, there were fewer of those last night than in most award shows. It was the comedy bang. Guys who wrote this, I think they did an amazing job of just keeping the, the, the banter relatively yeah, witty because when it wasn't.
1: Well speaking of Jane the Virgin, why don't we talk a little bit about Fall TV? But first a message from our sponsors.
0: The Vulture TV podcast is sponsored by Quantico on ABC. They are the FBI's top recruits, smart, strong, and skilled. But when a massive terrorist attack strikes in America, the FBI discovers its greatest fear, that one of these Quantico recruits is a terrorist. Which one is behind it all and became a traitor? It's an edge-of-your-seat drama with twist after twist after twist. Priyanka Chopra stars in one of television's top new shows of the fall, the series premiere of Quantico, Sunday, September 27th at ten nine central on ABC.
1: So this week is officially premiere week. <laughs> We've got, I you know, you can see like gazelle's eyes, in eyes and my eyes are just like, no more, no more. <laughs> Yeah, we've got Empire, Scream Queens, Ryan Murphy's new show. You know, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, come back. The uh, Muppets premieres, Big Bang Theory, Muppets, Muppets, yes. Uh,
0: Fresh off the boat, Blackish.
2: I mean, yeah, so all the ABC shows are basically like, back. But then also we have the premieres of Blind Spot, Limitless, Minority, Minority Report, Report, Heroes Reborn, Rose. Wood. Wood.
0: I'm getting tired just listening to this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like to watch all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good because that's my job. We can talk about it. (laughs) Are there shows you're excited about? Like, let's talk about the network shows first. What do you think of The Muppets? So for people who haven't seen all of the, like,
2: really gruesome marketing, the setup of the show is that The Muppets are writing a late night show that's hosted by Miss Piggy. And it's like a sort of mockumentary style comedy about that. And so we have, you know, this sort of office style talking heads confessional to the camera. It's done by the Muppets. Um, There are a lot of celebrity cameos. I didn't love it, but I didn't think it was horrible. It sort of felt like it was maybe not in like the spirit of that really like ebullient, gentle hearted identity that I tend to associate with the Muppets. Mm -hmm. Um, There's maybe a little bit of yeah, I feel like such a Puritan saying this, but, like, it was, like, maybe a teeny bit, like, crass almost. But I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I it's a show I can imagine watching more episodes of. The Muppets reboot
0: didn't have that kind of psychedelic quality that I sort of associate with The Muppets. Like, it, it to me, sort of felt like a friendly, hippie drug trip sometimes. <laughs> and it certainly didn't have that. It was much more jaded. And it had this slightly cynical tone to it that I think perhaps is what people who really love the original Muppets would bristle
3: against.
2: And by original Muppets, you mean The Muppet Show? Yes. Okay.
3: Yeah, I, again, you guys are toned back. You were originally a little bit happier about this show than you're letting on, but
1: <laughs> 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 As
3: I let my colleagues know beforehand, they're crazy if they like this. Here's the thing. I like the presentation. There was a 10-minute presentation that ABC released for everyone to watch over the summer, and I really liked that. It gave me hope, and I liked Bill Prady, who is in charge of this revival, I think he's somebody who loves the Muppets. He's worked with the Muppets before. He has a lot of respect. And I will not question his respect or his knowledge of the Muppets, uh, which are much deeper and, and wider than mine. Um, but it was a crushing disappointment the first half hour, um, so much so that I couldn't watch yet the second episode that ABC provided, which maybe does get better. The key word was joyless. And my Hmm. colleague at uh, HitFix, Alan Seppelwald, said the same thing in his review, and it's exactly what I feel. I don't need the Muppets to be for kids. There's always a shade of sarcasm to them and realism to them in the original show, but I need them to be happy and optimistic and joyful. Um, And in this show, I don't need to see, you know, modern family as seen through the eyes of the Muppets. I don't need to see existential crises between Piggy and and, and Kermit, and I don't need to see them being stuck in traffic on the 405, um, because I've got plenty of other shows for that. I need the Muppets to put on a show for me. I need them to entertain me. I need them to face some real problems, but be happy about it. And gosh dang it, I want some sort of performance, not, uh, not 30 seconds uh, of a crappy band at the end of the first episode. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, um, that's not why one watches The Muppet Show. And, and the bigger problem is I feel like it all feels ultimately rushed and not fully thought out. And that's what happens when, uh, as has been well documented now, you know the head of ABC, Paul Lee, who I praised earlier, uh, decides, no, I need this show now. Uh, for those who don't know, the show has gone from pilot to series and in, 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 in execution in six months, which is fast, even by TV standards. Mm-hmm. Usually it's at least nine months to a year. Uh, in this case, it was rushed on for the fall after being ordered as, just as a pilot presentation in March, and that's, that's much too soon. This should have been safe for mid-season. I think it would have given the producers the chance to sort of find their voice better. And so I'm optimistic that they'll turn it around, but right now it's a crushing disappointment.
2: I did definitely miss the sense of spectacle that I think is really fun in a lot of Muppet stuff. I think it was going for so much realism rather than for, um, I think there's a difference between like realism and authenticity maybe. And, and so it was like, oh, this is very much like human life. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't actually need the Muppets to articulate moments that are very much like human life. Mm. What we need is that sort of ability to rise above that or get beneath that because mm-hmm. that's like one of the gifts of something that has so few expressions, right, is that you're able to interpret your own ideas. Right, just from Kermit turning his head sideways or from the, the mouth mm-hmm. hanging open a teeny bit, so much of what you're reading from what the Muppets is giving you is from yourself, right? That's like what puppetry is for. Like having them articulate, like, oh, it's an awkward dinner with my parents. And it's like Fozzie and his girlfriend and stuff, and it was actually just like a straight mapping scene of racism. And right. it was like, oh, I don't know if we know that I need the Muppets to do this. Right. I thought no, it was it with
3: a song. I mean, the other thing is there was there was actually a meanness to some of the Muppets that I've never seen before in any in any previous Muppet incarnations I mean there are times not only was Miss Piggy aggressively her worst that she's ever been not in a comical way but just really just like the worst sort of like it felt way too real like a Hollywood diva as opposed to a comic diva which is what she's always been but even Kermit Kermit does things against Piggy that are just sort of like mean and sort of, uh, you know, in terms of going against her, and then they're they're without giving too much away. And again, this is a Muppet show, not uh, <laughs> uh, the new season <laughs> of Fargo. Um, you know, they fight over like whether or not a certain guest is going to be booked, and 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 at the end, it's revealed in a very interesting way. By the way, that if this were a human sitcom, maybe I'd say, oh, that's okay. But Kermit being petty and small, even though he is, of course, by definition small, um, it just. It just felt wrong, and 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 I just I just cringed. And maybe it's uh, I'm 44. Maybe it has something to do with somebody who grew up watching reruns of the Muppet Show in syndication. But it just um, it was really uh, a really big disappointment. Have Man, said you
2: enough? soured me on this yeah. show. Now I hate Muppets, it too. They're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. the most depressing, I don't want crappy them to be ways. Just like a, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Kermit's a terrible, unsupportive boyfriend. Piggy really like, is like demanding really and out of control. Skeeter gets the short end of the stick as always. <laughs> like I just want to
3: I want to turn on the Muppet <laughs> Show and smile from big getting to and that's what I want and by the way the first Muppet movie the one from Jason Siegel, who it still amazes me has not been put in charge of all the Muppets I things felt Muppet so that sad
2: that it was, it was like oh I wonder if Jason Segel's involved it's like nope
3: nope and he oh, wasn't in the sorry. second movie which, which yeah. is, by the way the reason the second movie was awful and tanked at the box office was because he wasn't there and it's almost like Jason Siegel got it and and you know I hate to say it I would much rather that Jason Siegel just spent his life doing the Muppets from <laughs> now on he would be a great addition to the show and the fact that he doesn't even make a camera it just it's it's sort of sad, and I just I feel like Disney's denying the inner joy of these characters, and that's that's what it should be. And by the way, yes, a little variety. Why are networks so afraid to put on a little song and dance? We saw the same thing last week. We already had Best Night Ever with Neil Patrick Harris, um, and and even though our critic Matt Zoller-Sites admired the physicality of the performance, uh, again there's no joy, no no happiness in that show. Just a lot of look what I can do.
2: I do think the Muppets has an incredibly tough challenge, which is that everyone has their strong associations with what the Muppets are. And I think a lot of people have common ground there, but I'd I'd be surprised if anyone had identical associations. You know, and so people have, like, certainly I think uh, Sesame Street is going to play, like, a large role in the popular imagination of the Muppets for people of a certain generation. And then people older than that, like, Sesame Street is not as relevant a part of their sort of, like, Muppet construct. And then I think, depending on how into the great Muppet caper you are or whatever like like there's different points, you know, like my friend Dan played somebody's getting married at his wedding, right? Like this is like, oh, this has like great importance to him. And and then he has like much stronger associations with that movie than I do because I was much more of a fan of the show. Like on my phone, I have like musical clips. If you want to hear like Joan Baez sing Will the Circle Be Unbroken with the Muppets, <laughs> I can play that for you into, like in a minute because I have it on my phone because I listen to it recreationally kind <laughs> of a lot. Like those are my strong associations with it. And like none of us are wrong. Right, but like it's hard to meet everyone's cha- Right, everyone's standard of what the Muppets are and what the Muppets do. I don't get the Muppets.
1: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, on that note, oh. uh, let's move on. <laughs> this
2: is your shame.
1: Ooh. <laughs> I stopped at Mupp- Muppet Babies. You know, I mean, I-, I loved Muppet Babies, but I was a baby, <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't. I haven't quite. I didn't quite watch it as more of an adult. So I never, you know, I'm not saying the Muppets aren't good. I'm just saying, I think you have to watch it at a certain point in your life to have that lifelong appreciation for it. Like, I don't think I can start getting into the Muppets now.
3: This is also why I feel like it needs to go back to that that 70s, that that version of it. You're Mm -hmm. right, Margaret, there are a lot of different versions and incarnations, but that version is a joyful, variety-ish, comic, caperish version, I think that's universal, and I think that's something that people always can respond to, whereas the Muppet show that I saw that premieres this Tuesday would have made a great maybe 20-minute funny-or-die sketch. Let's imagine the Muppets if they were in The Office or Modern Family. As a weekly series, it just, it's so boxed in that, you know, I think people like Gazelle who have no inclination are going to say, well, why do I want to watch sort of a weak-sauce version of Modern Family or The Office with puppets when I can just watch the real thing?
1: Right. You Said, I it mean, joke. you do love modern family. Oh, yeah, you You're
2: know, so obsessive every day. You're like, Margaret, why can't you write another story about modern I'm family? I've been in the I smell sarcasm. Right. I mean
1: like, no <laughs> offense to modern family, but like, come on. Well, why don't we talk about some other shows other than the Muppets? I think we should address Scream Queens. I enjoyed it, I'm not as attuned to ryan murphy traps as someone who watches more ryan murphy might be i'm just not the the perfect viewer in terms of like understanding where the show is not being original or maybe you are maybe that because ma- then I think that does make it's you a hackneyed. much better viewer right.
2: because as someone who has who has seen all of ryan murphy's output mm-hmm. like god every episode of all of it <laughs> uh it's very familiar That said, like, it's, you know, if you have in in your head, like, you can picture, like, what would it be like if Ryan Murphy made basically a combination of glee and American horror story and a sorority kind of thing? Like, it's exactly that. And And so it, it is, like, poppy and nasty, certainly. Like, the visuals are... Charming and interesting, and it's very done. It's very camp. It's very scary. Like I will say, if you don't like horror, this is not for yeah. you at all.
0: Oh, was um, really? it legitimately scary? It scared the shit out of me. I mean, like oh. and I like
2: I hate. Scary I didn't things. like that about it. Like, I hate scary stuff, and so like I know like my tolerance for being. You were scared. I
1: mean. I guess I was more, like, there's, disgusted. there's,
2: there's like, there are some gross-out scenes. I was disgusted. There's, like, a spooky mask that is always scary. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! That's, like, the scariest shit! That's the only scary thing that's ever happened on True Detective was all those fucking masks. <laughs> so, like, any scary mask is scary. Like, I thought it was—it's very ominous. You know, we
1: have a lot but of that, like, don't-go-in-there feeling. It's weird when scary moments are made funny. Like, I think that freaks me out even more.
2: <laughs> there is, like, a, so a sequence a that, that, that is very— it's both, you know, scary, like our our sort of serial killer in this red devil costume is attacking someone, but there's also like a real comic edge to right. that scene. Which I kind of liked,
1: you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, it you know, works. there's only, that's really the kind of scene you only get from Ryan Murphy, mm-hmm. which is this just like full on go for it, be as dumb, as ridiculous, as like take it everything to a 10. And so the campiness is at a 10. And the scariness for me, it was like, it was like pretty scary. And then it's also ridiculous, right? Like, it's really absurd. And then it's also like beautifully composed. And every eyelash is in place. And every stiletto nail is like perfectly, you know, done up. And and we have like the perfect texting sounds and the perfect set design in the room. It's I mean, if this is the kind of show you want, this is exactly your this is your dream come true.
3: I thought it was reasonably well done, but I do think that ultimately its appeal is going to be limited. I think it's going to go, it's going to put Fox back into the females under 50 and maybe even under 35 audience that they've had on Tuesday night with New Girl and Mindy. I don't think it's ultimately going to expand their base much beyond that as much as Fox is hoping. That said, Good for Fox. It's the only sh- one of the few shows this season that on network TV that I even want to try to watch. I can't even bring myself to watch half of the stuff this year. It's not a slog like oh, let's just remake Limitless or Minority Report or another boring hospital show or another conspiracy thing with you know tattoos and or or you know the, the player which is on NBC and is going to follow the blacklist, which is just sort of like a new take on the blacklist. I mean, there's so much that's generic about this network season so much that seems like, as Andy Greenwald, our our friend at uh, at, at Grantland has said, you know, just felt like the networks gave up. Nobody gave up with Scream Queens. Every frame is thought about and and I respect that and that's what networks need to do even if it doesn't necessarily ultimately become a blockbuster hit like Vampire. You need these shows that sort of stand apart and there's so much of this network season that just feels like it's been phoned in.
1: How do you think this compares to previous years?
3: I don't know if it's the worst uh, network season ever because you do have Scream Queens and The Muppets, which will at least get a pulse. But certainly compared to last year, it's it just it feels like a very. I mean, and it's tough because you know all of our. You know, I'm not immune to changes in how my viewing mind uh, develops as any viewer is. In other words. My habits are being recalibrated by video on demand and streaming video, or subscription video on demand, and the fact that I can watch shows when I want, and the level is keeps rising and rising, and the broadcast networks are disadvantaged because they're still mostly trying to make shows in the old-fashioned way, which sometimes can work great. Empire gave me more joy than most anything on TV last year. It was just a great hour of TV every week, even when it was ridiculous. But this because it this was ball.
0: ridiculous. It was <laughs> yes.
3: this fall feels particularly just bad. Now there are, by the way, I think also the networks are. Keeping some of their stuff lately now for midseason I think Empire mm-hmm. it was a lesson there too that once again there's a way to cut through the clutter and, and I think you know there's still things to come later on in the season that could still be good and plenty of stuff on cable and streaming you know the networks don't bring it oh well not my problem
2: yeah this is not a great season but if they could have a great season every year they would right like it's mm-hmm. not on purpose <laughs> sure. um, like they're not <laughs> trying to make bad shows right it just you know you can't like can't run there's no all. such thing as batting a thousand this year does feel particularly flabby to me. I also think there's no sort of big overhaul, right? Because I think shows are sort of growing and fading more now. So, like, you know, nothing getting cut down at, at its prime on network. It's all petering out for a long time. So, you know, it's like, oh, this will be the last season of American Idol. It's like, oh, my God, American Idol, right? Like, you sort of had so long to have a network transition because the shows are just sort of, like, Staying on and dying and whatever, like
3: because networks don't want to lose because they'd realize that you lose some. That some of these shows are sort of grandfathered in, and they don't want to lose. It's so hard to get audiences now. that If you have a show that has a committed base, like Survivor, for example, my like, I my mean, god, really Survivor? Yeah, but like about, you, about American Idol, that's twice a year, Margaret, for fifteen oh, yeah. years. It's ridiculous, but people still are in their habit, and and they're not going to you know they're not going to give that up.
2: You can't start from scratch for them, right? Like at the end of the day, they have to make the money, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you're not going to reinvent anything because you have a system that's more or less working, which is why CBS is making more cop shows, um, which is just like appalling. But like every single show on CBS is either a cop show or every scripted drama on CBS is either a cop like show a or a lawyer show. And now Code or, Black, well, except for right. Code Black, and that um, mm-hmm. has a show. mystery sewn into the first episode (laughs) this season was a slog that said I thought you know every year I wonder like am I getting too jaded like is it me and then there's always like one bright spot and so this doesn't come out for a couple more weeks but I really thought Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was Mm. um, amazing was just BW saves the day again you know, it reminded me of last year when you finally saw the pilot for Jane the Virgin and you were like, this will never work. Just kidding. I'm in love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this show is a Like, nothing is as well. <laughs> and I, I just thought it was so different and so, I mean, talk about joyful. Like, there's, even though there's, I actually think it takes mental illness pretty seriously um, and there's a lot of, like, sort of serious understanding in that show, it has this real ebullience and just, like, brightness. and And I couldn't wait to watch another episode of that, you know. And so as much as I think, like, yeah, you know, not... Not everyone else has seen every single network pilot for the last, God, 15 years. Uh, and like, 10 years, I've seen every single network pilot. Right? So, like, my idea of, like, this is rep- repetitive. It's like, well, I've seen all of them. Yeah. Yeah, like, probably other people who've only watched a handful don't feel so burdened by, he's a cop, but he's sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I feel really, like, really, really done with at this point. But then you have these, these real sort of, like, oases in, mm-hmm. in that desert, and, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is that for me, for sure.
3: And by the way, what's interesting about that, too, is that it was developed for Showtime, uh, CBS's sister yeah, network, right. and Showtime, amazingly, passed. Um, S- and stupid And you know, keeps doing shows like... Ray Happish, Donovan. Uh, or right. Ray Donovan, which <laughs> actually does well for them, but Happiest, you know. Oh, there's, this, there's, there's... And or The Affair. Masters of Sex
1: is not... Oh, this is... So great. This yeah, well, it's, it's,
3: it's sort of weird. It used to be that um, cable was the place where network shows that were too good sort of went to thrive. It's sort of interesting that CW yeah. has reversed that dynamic. And uh, somehow, uh, you know, basic, I think premium cable sort of got into its own head about what ooh, what a premium cable show should be. And they get sort of limited by that. And the fact that the, the development executives there would pass on that and CW would, would, would take it up, that's great.
1: Alex, are there any shows you're particularly looking forward well, to? Well, I didn't
0: watch as many, mm-hmm. obviously, as Margaret <laughs>
1: has.
0: <laughs> but I, I, as I was sort of flipping through the, sh- the new shows, the one I was a little surprised by actually was The Grinder.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I-, I like that one, too. I, I like it
0: enjoyed it. I, maybe I had really low expectations because of the title, and I was like, <laughs> this sounds terrible. But then I watched it, and it has like it a sort funny. of... funny. Yeah, it has like a, a clever kind of meta thing, and the whole, like... Opposite Brothers thing I'm into. Yeah,
2: yeah, I
1: also thought that show. You're like, oh yeah, good acting matters right. a lot. Right. Rob Lowe, really. <laughs> Rob Lowe, he He's makes great. you laugh. Yeah. Like in the court, like the premises sounds so silly. Like He's an a, actor who plays a lawyer on TV. You know, his show finishes and he is trying inexplicably to inexplicably called does, the Grinder. Like. Yeah, <laughs> right. He, the show he was on was called the Grinder, and. He, his brother is a lawyer, and he decides, hey, I'll become a lawyer too. And, right. you know, it's so gimmicky, but it also is so ridiculous in a, in a way that the right, you know, writing and acting could pull it off and really seem to work, at least in terms as far as the pilot goes. I enjoyed the pilot. Yeah. No, I thought it really liked it. Like, it. Like it
2: that's—I like when a show is working hard. Yeah. Right? And they're not sort of feeding you generic jokes, and it's not obvious, like, schtick stuff where there's like a little bit more effort than than other shows would extend and I felt like Grindr and honestly Grandfather too a
1: little like here and there in moments had like okay
2: we're trying a little bit harder than other people would try
1: there's like an element of silliness to the humor with, yeah. that I think really mm-hmm. like I just find delightful and then on and the Fred drama Savage. side
2: yeah I mean yeah. Fred Savage is you know he's a pro <laughs>
1: yep. everyone loves Fred Savage
2: <laughs> on the drama side sort of a not great season but I think Quantico yes. is the one I'm the most curious about oh yeah about. totally
1: Quantico stars Priyanka Chopra, who's a huge, huge Bollywood star. Yes. And, you know, I think she's the best actor probably on the show. I think there's good performances. I think Um, we have the girl from Unreal. Unreal. But I don't know. Some of them are are okay. I'm kind of waiting to see see. how it goes.
2: (laughs) So basically it's like their first day at at Quantico.
0: Let's FBI say, boot camp. Yeah. Grey's
2: um, Academy. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, like if this was a CIA show, it would be a CIA's Anatomy. Like, it is Great. really, really, really similar to Grey's Anatomy. Like She's going to be an all-star, but she also has, like, a dark side. And then, um, <laughs> but what the show, I think, hits on really well is, like, okay, there's going to be this overarching mystery. One of the people in her class is a terrorist. And then the pilot just moves. It mm-hmm. just really, like, hits. And even though some of the notes are sort of familiar of, like, oh, like, the hookup gone awry. Or, like, oh, I bet that guy has... Like this kind of past or whatever, like it hits on some familiar notes certainly.
1: It's like an ABC show, in yeah. Way. It, it's but it, baked in, yeah. But
2: it is like it's moving through them, you know, and it's really like that speed thing. I feel like that's the lesson that Scandal sort of has imparted to all shows now. So in a lot of ways, to me, Quantico feels like a 2008 show in that sort mm-hmm. of mm. that era. alias.
1: Also, yeah. has that feel. It has to that it. Fe-
2: like that sort of era of big ensemble. What was that show? The Nine.
1: Oh, yeah. Like,
2: you know, we had this sort of, like, post-lost boom in overarching mysteries for giant ensemble casts where we would have flashback episodes for a variety of people all coming back to some kind of catastrophic incident, right? And we had a lot of shows like that. And then we also had, like, the Alien Invasion shows. There was a cluster of those and, you know, all of these kinds of things that felt very of a piece. And in a lot of ways, Quantico feels like that to me. But the big... The thing that makes it more contemporary is Scandal proved that the best way to tell a story is to tell as much of it as fast as possible. Like, I don't know what that says for the longevity of a show, right? I think that's something that Scandal is struggling with at right. this point. But it certainly makes those episodes really exciting, yeah. really good, really fun, really, you know. I mean, it's one, 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 yeah. Oh, the show is very sexy. Oh, yeah. It's just
3: a sexy show. It's the
0: sexiest
2: show. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought.
3: Wait, let someone at ABC get this clip and clip it. Uh, you
2: them, uh, <laughs> I just. The I, sexiest you know, show. I, I was just glad to see somebody like bust an ass through a pilot, you know. Like, there's so much work that has to be done depending on how much setup your pilot has, and you know, there's always going to be like this feeling of sort of like expositionitis, right? You're just like, oh, boy, we get it.
0: It lays everything down while it keeps it like it's a good episode.
1: Mm-hmm. It's soapy. Yeah, it ends on the perfect note, setting up for the drama that will unfold for the rest of the season. Well, guys, I think we'll have to save cable <laughs> shows for another week. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, luckily, there's, there's so cable much to talk, talk about. Luckily, there's so many other yes. shows. So Fargo,
3: the, yeah. the Nick. Oh, don't forget Empire this week. It's going to be huge. Uh,
2: yes. It's a little bit
0: like watching, like, a forty minute vine.
1: I will
2: say would probably I like a good idea premiere. to brush up a little bit on Empire because uh, it assumes you are very up to date on yes. Empire.
1: And we will have our um, our season one recap up. Just go to Vulture. But if you wanted <laughs> to make time to
2: rewatch an episode before uh, something of a returning show, go ahead and rewatch the season finale of Empire. Yeah. I think it'll help you pick up where the show a lot started. happened.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it for this week's Vulture TV podcast. Don't forget to email us your questions or comments at TVquestions at Vulture.com. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Our senior producer is Laura Mayer. Andy Bowers is our executive producer. The Vulture TV podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com slash panoply. If you like the show, tell your friends and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I'm Gazella Amami, and you can find me on Twitter at GazellePhint. I'm Margaret Lyons, and you can find me on Twitter at Charge.
0: I'm Alex Jung, and you can find me on Twitter at E underscore Alex Jung.
3: And I'm Andy Rooney. No, actually, I'm Joe <laughs> Adalian, and you can find me on Twitter at TV Mojo.
1: Thanks for listening.